Have you ever listened in on a conversation? You know, intentionally kind of perk up your hearing a little bit to listen to what someone else is saying. Not for the sake of gossip, not just to come up with the latest tidbit on somebody else's life, but to really learn something. I'll often at a conference, I didn't do this past conference, but I'll often at a conference, I'll go up after a speaker has presented their material and, and just hang around the circle a little bit as people ask questions that I might be able to maybe pick up on uh, some additional information. Maybe there might be a specific application that uh, a question brings about, and, and I want to listen in. That kind of describes the situation we're in. We're in this series that we have called Everyday Christianity with uh, Tim, Titus, and Phil, where we're looking at three letters that Paul wrote. So Paul wrote uh, um, uh, first and second Timothy. We're looking at second Timothy. We're looking at Titus. Paul wrote to Titus, and Paul wrote to Philemon. In other words, Paul is writing to two pastors and a leader in a congregation and, or in congregations, and, and we're listening in. We get to listen in. What is this expert? We want to know what the expert has to say uh, in, in each of these conversations that we might also be able to learn and, and apply what the expert, what the Apostle Paul, blessed by the Holy Spirit, is encouraging these leaders in the church uh, to do in their context. Um, so we're listening in. Today, we're going to be listening about uh, the idea of fleeing and pursuing, that there's this call that, that Paul has for Timothy where he calls him to flee some stuff and pursue other things. Maybe just a little bit of context before we read the passage then. There are these individuals that you hear their name, uh, Hymenaeus and Philetus, Hymenaeus and Philetus, they were presenting a different kind of a teaching, and, and Paul uses them as, as an illustration here of, of some of the things that he wants Timothy to flee. Um, and so let's listen in as Paul uh, counsels his protege. Our passage is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. If you're uh, participating in, uh, online, I encourage you to open up your Bibles, open up Bibles here in this room. We'll also put it on the screens. Hear the Word of God. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, 
along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correctly, um, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. May God bless the reading of his word, and may God show his favor on us as we come under his word today. Okay, so behind our passage is a dividing line. So I thought I'd put a dividing line up here, and just so we can all see it. We'll put it up on the wall. You know, sometimes it can be helpful to have just clarity of, clarity of, um, that, like, you know, how many times have you said, you know, there's two kinds of people? You like to put people in categories. Well, our passage clearly has a dividing line to it. When I planned this out in my head, I had no idea it would take so long to put a piece of tape down on the floor. But it does. And there's our dividing line. So Paul's going to make use of this dividing line, and, and he's going to say that, you know, some things are meant to, we're meant to flee from, and some things we're meant to pursue. And he wants to have clarity. He wants to say to Timothy, and through Timothy, he's saying to all of us, be, just know that there's some things we're going to have to flee, and there's some things we want to pursue. And he helps to describe this for us by providing a great house analogy. He says in a house, you know, some things are made of gold and silver, and some things are made of wood and clay. And he's just using it as, as an analogy. So please, if, if you feel like you need to run home and get all the dishonorable things, and well, that may actually might not be a bad idea if there are dishonorable things in our homes to get rid of them. But he's saying, listen, in homes, some things are, are, are dishonorable and some things are honorable. And he makes the analogy that, gosh, if, if we find ourselves embracing some things that are dishonorable, that we want to clear ourselves from that and be able to move toward what is honorable. In fact, he puts it this way. This is verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself or herself from what is dishonorable, that person will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Paul, in this analogy, is making it clear, listen, Timothy, we really don't want to be about dishonorable things. We want to be about honorable things. Um, and then he provides a, a, what we'll call a statement of fundamental reality. Fundamental reality. He puts it this way. This is in verse 19. He says, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. In other words, that and you may be asking, how, well, how do I know if I'm one of the Lord's? Listen, please, um, by God's grace, we, in faith, we believe that he's extended his grace to each one of us, and, and we receive that, and in faith and in trust and trusting God that, that by his grace he has quickened our hearts, we lean heavily into God. And, and so when he says here that let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. He's saying that, you know, the things we're supposed to flee, if, if those things are part of our life, let's flee them. Let's depart them. Let's, let's move into the things that are honorable to God. Let's let our lives be defined by those things. So, clearly, Paul's setting up a two thing, a two sides, stuff that are dishonorable, things that are honorable. 
iniquity that we're to flee and then to be useful to God and God's uh, kingdom um, as he's revealing his goodness in this world. All right, so here's the problem. Uh, some of us uh, actually happen to like the stuff where to flee. <laughs> like, like there's things over here we can get attracted to and, and, and we can uh, nuzzle up against and kind of make our own. And, and we kind of at times like to hang out over here. In fact, sometimes we do it because we just don't know better. And then some of us that may have clarity, what we like to do is we like to come up against the line and argue with the people that are embracing a different way of being. And, and Paul wants to talk to Timothy about this kind of arguing back and forth that takes place. He's going to address that in our text. And he applies it to two concerns. Two concerns. One has to do with um, uh, how we interact over God's Word, how we, how we um, uh, um, connect with others over God's Word. And, and this second part of it is actually about the relationships we have as we discuss God's Word. Um, so let's, let's look at first the interactions over God's Word itself. Um, flee. There's stuff for it to flee. And by the way, if, if you go through the passage, you're going to find different words instead of just flee. There, flee does, you know, that sense of flee this and pursue that. Those words do appear, but also words like avoid or don't do these things. And so if we collect all this together, here's what we find. Paul calls Timothy and us to flee quarreling about words. Quarreling about words. All right, if you spent any time in this church and listening to sermons that Jocelyn and I provide, that um, you know that we're big on words. In fact, if you want to find out words that are really uh, handled well or somebody that, that handles words well, go to one of Greg Manship's classes. And he's so good at just uncovering meanings of words. And words can be important. We want to underscore words can be important and are important. But here what Paul is describing is, listen, you're starting to have these quarrels. It's the, the accent here is on the quarrels over words, and that that's becoming a distraction. As other people are listening in, and you're having this quarreling, there's something about the quarreling that gives um, more platform for the people that are pursuing some dishonorable ends. And he says, here's what I want you to stay from. Stay away from quarreling. Quarreling is something you want to flee from. Don't, don't quarrel. Don't quarrel about words. He also puts it this way, that we're to avoid uh, irreverent babble. If you have the NIV, it's translated as godless chatter. There's actually this word, uh, kenophono, um, I'll get it, kenophonia, kenophonia. Here's a definition of the word. Kenophonia, you can find this in a, a, a Greek dictionary. It says it like this, senseless or wicked discourses. Speeches that are devoid of any divine or spiritual character, fruitless as far as the satisfaction of man's need of salvation and the molding of Christian life and character are concerned. <laughs> what, that's a pretty intense word that is absent of, of the very good things that God would have us be about. He says, listen, avoid, avoid this irreverent babble. Avoid this um, this ungodly, uh, this, un, uh, this godless chatter. 
And the third thing he says to also avoid is foolish, ignorant controversies, or as the NIV puts it, stupid controversies. Um, do you know how, how many of us can be attracted to stupid controversies, right? That, that we hear something and our ears get tickled, and, and even whether we're for it or against it, we want to engage over it. And Paul's saying, wait, don't do that. Flee that kind of stuff. Flee it. Don't, don't get yourself engaged in it. And he gives Hymenaeus and Philetus as an example. We don't know exactly because Paul doesn't describe it exactly here, but we have some evidence as to what they may have been teaching. Um, Paul actually addresses something in his letter to the Corinthian church. Uh, there it was being taught by some that, uh, that the resurrection had already occurred, and uh, in a Hellenistic or Greek way, they were saying that, you know, material things are, are transient, they're not good, it's the spiritual things that are lasting, and they're good, and and so since the resurrection, it's really just a spiritual thing. And since it's already occurred and it's already ours in Jesus, then you can do whatever you want with your body. And, and Paul's calling it out. Listen, that's not true. That's, he's not saying, go ahead and teach it. He's saying that's not true. What he's saying is, don't get in an argument with them. Don't begin quarreling over it. You're bringing, people are listening in. People are bringing attention to it. And so he's advising Timothy don't get into a quarrel over that. I was thinking about what might be some of the uh, controversies today, um, some of the irreverent, godless chatter. And some of the things that hit me, I, some of the things that I've heard in churches along the way, there's this kind of a, a casual universalism. Like, you know, you don't really have to believe in Jesus. You can believe anything you want. And another one might be selective obedience. Like, like um, because we're... We're more informed now, and, and we don't really want to uh, get uncomfortable. Let's just all obey to a certain level and not really have to obey all that God has. And, and that's something in, in, uh, that I've heard in churches. The one I wanted to bring up, though, this morning is a little bit more, um, uh, you might feel some of the thing of, well, I want to argue that, <laughs> right? Like you may, whatever side we might be on, we might want to argue that. Here, here it is. Stuff I've heard in churches. Uh, um, Good Christians are Republican. Now, there's a flip side to that coin. There's a flip side to that coin. Other people say Republicans aren't good Christians. And, and, and do you see how, and by the way, I've heard, I've heard this, and in so many words that people will get into this argument, this quarrel over it, and the focus will be all on the platform of Republicans or the platform of Democrats or whatever it might be, and there's this quarrel that takes place as though our political standing becomes the most important thing, that the platform of our political party becomes the most important thing. We know the truth. We know the truth that um, anyone who follows Christ is a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. The one platform we, uh, we represent in this world is the platform of the kingdom of heaven. It's not a platform that's owned by any individual party in this world. We represent uh, everything that Jesus conserves, and we represent everything that Jesus uh, progresses, uh, and that's our position uh, as followers. And so what Paul is saying, what it say to us in our situation, don't get involved in these quarrels. Don't get, don't get connected in this, this godless chatter. People are listening in. It matters. And by the way, you start doing this, it's going to spread like gangrene. And at the time, this would have been any kind of uh, disease that spread, 
um, that, that it would, it's not good for the body. Uh, don't do this type of stuff. So instead of doing those things, those things he said, don't do godless chatter, here's what he wants us to do instead. He would have us pursue, and this comes from uh, verse 15 in our passage. Here's what he says to Timothy at the, at the beginning of our section. He goes, do your best, which is a way of saying, immediately pay attention to this. Perk up your ears. Here's, here's what we need to be about. Do your best to present yourself to God. And he gives four things. He says, as one approved, that means as one tested, as one who has shown her, um, her faithfulness in this world. Uh, present yourself before God as one tested, uh, proven in ministry, one who has shown their faithfulness uh, to God in this world. The second thing was as a worker. I love this term. I love this term, especially uh, given where we might come uh, to God's Word in our context with any sense of privilege we might have. We're just called out right here that here's your identity. Paul uses this. You're a worker. Are we um, the beloved child of God? Absolutely. Through Jesus Christ we are. Are we made in the image of God? Yes. In fact, every single human being is made in the image of God. Through Jesus Christ to become sons and daughters of God? Absolutely. Uh, are we heirs of God's kingdom? Through Jesus Christ, yes. Those are all true. But what Paul says is, listen, do your best. Here's what you're calling to. Instead of getting in quarrels, instead of starting to get involved in controversies, here's what's honorable. Present yourself as a worker, as one who works in the name of God in this world. And the third thing he says, and there's, um, who has no need to be ashamed. No need to be ashamed. There's a number of places in Scripture where it talks uh, about, you know, lists of sins that we don't want to be able to participate in, and, and that's really good teaching. That's not the kind of shame that's being talked of here. It's, it's more of a statement that uh, a person who's confident, Paul makes that statement in Romans. He goes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Uh, it's the power of God for the salvation for all who believe, the Jew first and also the Greek. And that sense of confidence. Uh, here, Timothy, here's, instead of being involved in all these quarrels and getting trapped in all this stuff, the stuff that spreads gangrene, um, that leads to ungodliness, instead of getting involved in that, here's what you do. Present yourself uh, as one who is approved or tested. and Present yourself as a worker. and Present yourself as one who is confident uh, in God's goodness and what God has taught in Jesus Christ. And fourthly, he says... Uh, rightly handing, ha handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the word of truth. You know, at little pastor school, when we go to, when we go to school, we, we're, we have a lot of instruction on how to handle the word of God rightly. They spend a lot of attention on that. And we would have classes that would teach us how to go back into the original context and use the tools to make sure that we're learning what what the Word of God meant in its original context. And we take that meaning and we bring it forward to today and then we apply it in our situations. That we really want to respect the Word of God. As a person who would want to be a worker of God's in this world, who's rightly handling the Word of God, we can see how that would be applicable to Timothy as a pastor in the first century um, as he's pastoring to congregations. And it's true for all pastors. Like all pastors should pay attention to this. 
But I would also argue that it's true for all Christians, that that call that we would go out and make disciples of all people, and that we would baptize in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that we would teach them to obey everything I have commanded. That's what Jesus said, everything that Jesus has commanded. We also know that uh, Jesus said that you are the light of the world, that you're the salt of the earth. We're meant to shine in this world. We're encouraged in Scripture to always be prepared to give a reason for why we believe. Understanding to learn how to handle the Word of God rightly is something that God would have for all of us. Let me just recommend a couple of sources on this. One that's Joss even mentioned in the uh, introduction, in the announcements this morning. Go to one of Joss's Bible studies. She's going to have a Bible study uh, throughout Lent. Starts uh, two weeks from next Thursday. She handles the Word of God rightly. She'll just Not only do you get blessed by the content, but watch how she handles the Word of God um, uh, and engage there. Uh, 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 go to one of Greg Manship's uh, classes and, and watch how he handles the Word of God. One of our other Bible studies as well. There's also an online resource I'd love to mention to you. that go to, uh, If you go to BibleProject.com, BibleProject.com. If you want to have some additional classes or just having insight on different books of the Bible, it is an incredible resource that's available to us. All right, so we're to avoid, we're to stay away from quarreling and godless chatter and stupid controversies. One of the reasons is this, is that because it turns out to be like a game of tug and war. In the godless chatter, what we end up doing is we get to hold the same rope that the other side is holding, and, and it becomes a tug of war, and everybody's looking at the tug of war, and it, it's all about who wins and who loses. And that's not what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do. He's, don't play tug of war. You've got something much better to pursue. All right, so then if that's the interactions over God's Word, let's take a look at the interactions with people regarding God's words. And you see a little bit of a, a difference as we go through this. All right, so the first thing we're going to say here is the importance of claiming our, our identity, right? So we've already said that Paul called Timothy a worker, that that's, that's part of who he is, a worker. We find later in the text in verse 24 that he refers uh, uh, to Timothy and to all of us who would follow suit as the Lord's servant, the Lord's servant, the word doulos, so that, that this bond servant, that we, we belong to God and we serve God. If that's our core identity, then when we get into these conversations, when we get into relationships with other people, as that connects to God's word, we enter that as a worker, as the Lord's servant. So here's, as the Lord's servant, Paul says, flee youthful passions. Youthful passions. This word for passions Paul uses it elsewhere, like in Galatians chapter 5. In fact, he has a, a long list of these uh, passions of the flesh. And so it's a list that includes stuff like sexual immorality and divisiveness and, and uh, uh, acting out in anger and um, uh, envy and those just all kinds of uh, stuff like that. Here in our context, it's a little bit more uh, focused than that longer list. When he talks about youthful passions... He's saying, listen, there can be this tendency in us where we want to pull on that rope. Like, we want to win that battle. We want to prove the other person wrong. We want to win. And Paul knew something about youthful passions. When Paul was um, uh, 
um, before Paul became a Christian, he was pursuing youthful passions. He was pursuing his passion as a follower of God, going forth and, and trying to put down this new Christian movement. He was following his youthful passions. And we can see him coming full circle here that as God quickened his heart, and, and he's not just saying, now be like me when I was younger before I knew Jesus. He's saying something has fundamentally shifted. It's not our battle to win. Jesus has already won that battle. Ours is to represent Jesus. By the way, the same teaching we can find in um, uh, some Proverbs. Let me throw two Proverbs at you. Um, Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered person stirs up strife, but the one who is slow to anger quiets contention. The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. This wisdom of God of being able to not just participate in this tug of war with other people, but representing something much better. Okay, so if we're going to flee those things, we're going to flee the youthful passions of trying to win, what are we to pursue? Well, we find this in verse 22 and in 24 and beginning part of 25. Here's what Paul says to pursue to Timothy. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. There will be people that get involved in all kind of dishonorable things. What we're to pursue is this righteousness, the very right things of God. We're to pursue faith in God and this growing of our, of our trust in God. We're to pursue that. We're to pursue love and peace. That if we're pursuing these things, that sets us up for a right engagement with people that want to play tug of war, but we're not going to play with them. We're going to represent differently to them because we're pursuing something that is very of God. We're pursuing what God would have us pursue. We also find that he says, going on then in verses 24 and 25, he says, being kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting opponents with gentleness. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, don't disengage these people. Don't abandon these people. Just don't play tug of war with them. Be God's representative wherever you find um, uh, errant teaching and people struggling with different questions. Be God's person, but be God's person from a standpoint of love and kindness, enduring the evil, correcting with gentleness. There may come a time, we know from Jesus' teaching, there may come a time to shake the dust, but we trust that God will make that known to us. Otherwise, we stay connected with people around us, not in their terms, but on God's terms. We may say, but that seems hard. But we come to it not as just Bob Jordan. We come to that as a worker. We come to that as the Lord's servant. Okay, all this leads to a hoped-for outcome. That's what Paul provides in this part of uh, the text. It's at the very end of our text. Here's the hoped-for outcome. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do as well. That's the hope-for outcome. That as we live all that God would have for us, that all of God has revealed, 
all the things we're to pursue as we live that, that God would use that and, and God's working in behalf and, and God's working in people's hearts and that he would open that up and that people would receive and they'd act out in, in repentance and, and that they too then would be a part of God's represent, representatives in this world. And so instead of tug of war, this is much more like a really kind game of Red Rover, Red Rover. You remember that from when you were in, in first grade, kindergarten, and you all held hands, uh, and there were two different lines, and, and you would stand holding hands together, and your team would decide on somebody's name on the other side, and you'd call out that name, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Susie right over, and then Susie would have to let go, and she'd have to run, and, and she'd run and try to break through your hands. And you'd try to resist that so that you could capture her and make her part of your team. Only now it's not about our force or our ability. It's, it's about God's goodness. God's goodness wrapping someone in to be a part of his representative group in this world. We began by talking about listening in on conversations. So as we go forward as a people, and, and we may have opportunity to listen into other conversations we hear. And maybe we're a part of those conversations and we want to be aware that other people are listening. May they follow what Paul has revealed here, that, that they're not tug-of-war conversations. That we're not trying to win or, or, or uh, clearly that we're not trying to embrace things that are not of God, but, but that they're full of grace and righteousness and, and love and peace and kindness. May God hear that in our conversation. May we hear that as we listen into conversations around us. Let us take strength. We said this last week. Paul wrote this, that, that we would be strengthened by the grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. May people experience that grace in us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are the God who keeps working with us that you keep working in our midst and to help us to grow and uh, become more like your son who, who really did show the way in all of these things. And so help us to be patterned after him. You know each of our own tendency to want to get hooked up on some kind of quarrel or some kind of uh, errant teaching or whatever it is. And we can become very casual about what you've revealed in this world. Would you forgive us? please forgive us. We know that you have revealed your heart in your word, that you've revealed yourself in Jesus Christ. And may you find in us a willingness and openness, a whole heart commitment to represent his love in this world at every turn. God, may other people see in us at all times your righteousness, faith and love and peace and kindness. And may all that be to your glory. We give you praise. Thanks for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.